Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. The following podcast contains... You used to be a kind, loving man, and now you're a foul-mouthed monster! Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you try to convince us that a devil's triangle is a drinking game, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, October 5th, 2018, in Vino Veritas edition of the show, where we talk about how to handle our liquor. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Black Label Beer, the beer-like substance for when you're broke. Are you a fiscally challenged college student looking for a brewski on a budget? An underage football player who just wants a weekend buzz? Or a broken shell of an alcoholic sitting in a fetid trailer drinking yourself slowly into the grave? Then we have the beer-like substance for you. Black Label Beer. Our generic white can comes with 12 fluid ounces of a substance that is almost, but not quite, entirely unlike beer. But definitely contains alcohol. And isn't that what really matters? So get your pennies together and head on down to your local gas station or mini-mart and put a rack of Black Label on the counter. Black Label, the beer-like substance that says, I don't give a fuck, I just want to get drunk. We're all in the same boat, fellas. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. <clears throat> Hey, Farva, what's the name of that restaurant you like with all the goofy shit on the walls and the mozzarella sticks? You mean shenanigans? No! Oh. You're talking about shenanigans, right? Put those away! When I was a young lad, all of 21, I engaged in one of the myriad rituals of military life. This one was the PCS party. A PCS, or permanent change of station party, is when you're about to leave one duty station to head to another, and your friends gather together to give you a going-away party that is essentially just like any other party. Cheap beers, lots of dudes sitting around drinking that cheap beer and listening to bad music. However, because of the permanent nature of your departure, someone will usually pony up for a bottle of hard liquor. In this case, it was a bottle of Jose Cuervo tequila. Man, this... Seems like a really bad idea. Oh, it absolutely was. There's a myth that certain kinds of alcohol have different effects on people's behavior. My friend at the time, John Buckafury, who was at the aforementioned PCS party, eschewed the drinking of gin in an all-male audience because gin, and I'm going to quote John here, makes his stecker piffed. I'm sexually aroused, Commander. That's what John thought anyway. And there's zero evidence that one type of alcohol is likely to elicit a specific behavior in the drinker different than any other. The chemical process in the brain is entirely dependent upon the amount of alcohol consumed, not the type. I know this to be true, but I also know that when John Booker Fury drank gin, you didn't bend over around him because he became a horny motherfucker. I also know that when I drink tequila, the possibility for me doing something incredibly stupid is exponentially higher than, say, when I drink whiskey. 
Which brings me back to my PCS party and that bottle of Jose Cuervo. The evening in question featured a rarity in northeastern Arkansas, a snowfall in November. I remember the snow because by the end of the evening, I was out in said snow with my pants around my ankles, a red Santa cap on my head, and chasing a young woman around saying, ho, 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 what do you want for Christmas, little girl? What kind of man does that? Oh, a drunken idiot kind of man. Now, the young woman in question took the whole incident in good humor because I was clearly not a threat because I could only move so fast with my pants around my ankles. And also, I was wearing long johns and they effectively... Excuse me. Do these effectively hide my thunder? Exactly. Also, there was an on-duty cop laughing his ass off and telling me to pull my pants up before I embarrassed himself myself. But clearly, that ship had sailed. Now, the reason I've chosen to reveal another unnecessarily and frankly disturbing truth about my past is, well, I needed a hook to start the show. And also, there's a lot of talk in this country about the sort of things that young men do when they're drunk. Devil's Triangle. Drinking game. How's it played? Three glasses in a triangle. And? You ever played quarters? No. Okay. It's a quarters game. Now, my boy Brett, who I dealt with in detail last week, and by the time you hear this, is definitely going to be a Supreme Court justice, and I don't want to talk about this asshole anymore, but this whole week revolved around him being in a fugue state because of him and him being an entirely shitbag drunk. So... I got to talk about him a little bit. And the reason that I say this is that Brett's only like five or six years older than me and was likely a rampant douchebag and, of course, grew up in a completely different world. So he could have had different terms for some of the things he lied, excuse me, claimed in his testimony. But I never played any drinking game called Devil's Triangle and boofing definitely was not about farting. And sorry, the use of Ralphine was really specific in what you do after chugging a beer not something one did after eating a bad slice of cold pizza. And also, seriously, Brett, who the fuck gets in a fight about UB40? UB40 is a feel-good music. If you're throwing punches over the artist behind such great cover songs as Red Red Wine... No red wine, Tony, no red wine. And of course, the best UB40 cover of them all, I Can't Help Falling In Love, you have a problem holding your liquor, my friend. And I should know about these things because I... I'm a drinker. Yeah, figured that. Now, I've been a drinker since my teens, and I'm a drinker now. You can tell, can't you? I love drinking. Not just the being drunk part of it, which I have to admit is also really great, but the physical act of clinking ice into a glass, the sound it makes when you pour the whiskey over said ice. I love the physical perfection of a well-poured pint of Guinness. I love the way drinking opens up the sluices on the brain when you sit down with another person and have just enough to drink that you start saying what you really think instead of what you think the other person wants to hear. I love the way a good glass of wine pairs with good food to make a meal complete, and I'm not even a wine person. I love an ice-cold American shit lager on a hot day, the act of pulling it out of an ice-filled cooler at some social function and wiping the can against your sweaty forehead. I love a glass of scotch in front of a fireplace in a room full of books. I love the culture of drinking. As I've told you many times, you're an alcoholic. Tomato, tomato. If I'm an alcoholic, I'm a harmless one. I don't drink and drive. I don't get in fights. I don't miss work because I get shit-faced. And no one has tried to stage an intervention. 
Unless that's why everyone was so somber at my last birthday party. I mean, I showed up already drunk, but everyone was so serious. I, I, I can't believe I missed that. What I'm saying is there's drinking and then there's problem drinking. And I know I don't have a drinking problem because it says so right on my shirt. I get drunk. I fall down. No problem. I need serious help. Because the thing about alcohol is it doesn't change the person because they're drunk. It just makes the person more the person that they are. What does that even mean? It means if you're an asshole sober, drunk you is a bigger asshole. If you're a goofball sober, drunk you is sillier. If you're a crier off the sauce, you'll cry more when you're drunk. It means booze is a magnifying glass for the person you are. It's not Dr. Jekyll's magic potion. It means you can't be blaming the booze when you fuck up. Let me go back to my younger days again. When I was 19, I attended a party in the dorm room of my ex-roommate. He was the first person I lived with when I got to my first duty station in Arkansas. A big cornbread-fed kid from, a, from the Midwest. A wrench-turner on the flight line. Good guy, but not real bright. He moved into a different dorm because someone had the good idea of not having cops live with non-cops if they could possibly help it. He invited me over to a party one night after he moved. I showed up. The room was packed with people. The music was too loud. The girls in the room looked way too young to be there. People were screaming, and they were having one hell of a time. I got myself a beer, drank about half of it, and realized the party was way past the point where it was going to get busted. So I put my door, my beer down, slipped out the front door, and right into the eye and arms of the kids squadron first sergeant the sergeant who basically supervised all the enlisted people in that particular organization with that first shirt was on duty law enforcement some of them were my friends the first sergeant put me against the wall and proceeded to go in and bust the shit out of that party with everyone including me being taken in for underage drinking down at the station everyone thought i was really stupid not for drinking underage, but for drinking underage in for drinking in general with non-cops. When my first sergeant arrived, he sat me down along with my supervisor and said, basically, tell us everything you know and you won't get in real trouble. Lie to us and we're going to hammer you. You know what I did, friends? I sang like a fucking bird because what I knew was I went in a room, I had half a beer, saw it was going to be disaster, and I left. I got written up for underage drinking, nothing major, just a letter saying that I shouldn't do it. And because I was in an alcohol-related incident, I had to go see the alcohol counselor to divert me from my bad behavior. Does this story have a point? I'm getting there, hold your damn liquor. This counselor told me in our one and only meeting that I was a problem drinker. To which I replied, I actually had had half a beer and left because things were getting crazy and I didn't want to get in trouble. And that seemed to me like a responsible thing to do. But he said, no, 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 no. You have a drinking problem. And I promise you, you'll be back in my office six in six months for another alcohol-related incident. Let me explain something about how insignificant this entire scene was. My actual boss of bosses, my squadron commander, thought so little of the incident that a few weeks later, my punishment for the crime of drinking underage was to work the keg at a squadron cookout wearing a cardboard sign reading, I drank with underage with non-cops and I wasn't allowed to drink at that cookout. Two years later, not long before the Cuervo night, I stopped in to see that alcohol counselor to rub his face in the fact that not only had I did not have a drinking problem and I had not been back to see him professionally, but you know what? 
He didn't remember seeing me in that capacity, and we had worked together many, many times on DUIs. My ex-roommate, the guy that got me into that situation, other than the fact that I actually went over there of my own free will, got a beer on my own, and then left the room, my ex-roommate, he wound up in the very jail I would supervise from time to time because he had sex with a 14-year-old girl consensually to be sure, but still frowned upon by her parents and, of course, the legal system. What's my point behind this whole unnecessarily long story? Well, first, be a cop and you get away with some shit. And second, drinking doesn't make you do stupid shit. You use drinking as an excuse to do stupid shit. Booze doesn't make you do anything. You wanted to do the thing all along. You knew you shouldn't do the thing, and you used the feel-good juice as an excuse to do the thing you wanted to do anyway. I wanted to run down a snowy sidewalk with my pants around my ankles shouting, ho, 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 what do you want for Christmas, little girl, to a pretty young woman in the snow. What's that say about you, Ray? I don't know that I'm an exhibitionist with a Santa fetish. Oh, I don't know when I think about it. That probably explains why I have the Santa-themed gimp suit in my closet. It's too much truth. Too much honesty. Society wants very much to pretend that things aren't true are true because if they accepted the truth, it would make us feel uncomfortable. So we invent fictions and create scapegoats and center entire mythologies behind them. We call it religion. Oh, God. But we also do this with other social issues that if we had to deal with the real causes of the problem, we, uh, I don't know, might have to do something about them. So we have a lot of people in this country who want to blame booze for our social ills. Take uh, drinking and driving, for example. You know, don't drink and fucking drive. Shit, we don't want to. I mean, you don't get fucked up so you can see how well you do on the test later, you know? But there's no other way to get our fucking car back to the house! Don't get me wrong, it is a bad idea and never ever do it. But people do it all the fucking time. Even in the age of mad, right now, some asshole is shit-faced weaving his way home from the bar. Fuck, he's probably weaving his way to the bar. Why? Because he wanted to, not because he had to, or the because the booze made him do it. He couldn't be bothered to take the bus. I've seen a ton of shit drunk people on buses. I've been a shit drunk person on the bus where everyone else on board was also shit drunk. So I know it's possible to take the bus while drunk. But we all, but this dude, this asshole, got in his car and drove because he's a lazy asshole that couldn't be bothered to think ahead and doesn't really care enough about other human beings to avoid the risk of killing one of them with his Buickless saber. Drinking a bottle of whiskey in your underwear does not make anyone beat the shit out of their spouse. No one gets off for work from their job at the dildo factory, buys a fucking bottle of Johnny Walker Red, goes home, guzzle it down, and punches the shit out of her husband for burning the Hungry Man TV dinner because they got drunk. That's never happened, not once, to anyone who didn't already want to beat the shit out of their husband in the first place. They are always the kind of person who thought it was okay to smack Henry around for being a whiny little bitch and burning the Salisbury steak. The booze only gave them cover for their behavior. It slipped the leash they kept on themselves day to day, but in no way did it create the desire to do so or the kind of person who would do such a thing.
Earlier this week, some shitty conservative columnist, probably writes for the New York Times op-ed page, tweeted that every man he knew had been in a bar fight, like it was some kind of badge of honor to be a drunk and aggressive asshole in public. It isn't. It means the only thing it fucking means is nothing but a dick. Exactly. I spent 15 years breaking up fights between over-testosterone douchebag dick measures and bar fights. Every one of them were exactly the kind of shithead that starts fights in grade school long presumably before their first drink. The booze didn't make them start the fights. The booze just allowed them to blame the booze on the fight and not their tiny insignificant dingles that dangle between their thighs. I know this because when the fight was over and they were in handcuffs in the back of the patrol car, they all cried like fucking babies saying, and they were sorry and saying the only reason I'm here is because I was drunk and the other guys started it. But unfortunately, that conservative twit was more right than I wanted him to be because, uh, yeah, dear pod friends, your humble pod post has been in exactly one bar fight non-professionally in his entire life. A bar fight that I definitely started while drunk, but not because I was drunk. It was in a bar in Sacramento, California called the Yucatan Liquor Stand. The name says it all. I was in line at the bar behind a guy that honestly very much resembled a young Bart O'Kavanaugh. And honestly, he acted like him too. Being a shit to the server and generally an obnoxious snobby prick with his popped pink polo shirt and white fedora. And I admit, I cold cocked that son of a bitch right in his face and knocked him flat on his ass. It felt good. I did it because I wanted to, not because I was drunk. And I'd do it again right now at 49 years old. It wasn't the love of beers that made a young Bart O'Kavanaugh follow a young woman up the flight of stairs, push her into a bedroom and onto a bed and try to pull her clothes off. It wasn't the beer that made him put his hand over her mouth to keep her from screaming. It wasn't the shitty domestic crap that made him and his boy judge laugh while she struggled beneath him in terror. It wasn't the hundred kegs that made him an asshole in high school or whip his dick out in college dorm rooms and waggling in front of a woman face or huck ice at a guy who looked like the lead singer of UB40 in a college bar and starter fright that got his friend arrested. None of that was the booze. That was all because Bart was the kind of person who would do that shit in the fucking first place. Allegedly. How do I know this? Because he was apparently sober when he sat there on the stand and lied to Congress and the nation about his drinking allegedly. You see, this is the other side of problem drinking that problem that people seem to miss. People who have a problem with alcohol can't be honest about their relationship with alcohol and feel the need to lie about it. I have made a mountain of bad decisions in my life, and some of them, maybe even many of them, were under the influence of alcohol. Like, you know, starting a podcast. But I made those decisions because I'm a flawed person. In my youth, I had a real problem with authority and impulse control and delayed gratification because I was young and stupid. Beer didn't make me young and stupid. I was that already. I just happened to drink beer while being young and stupid. The beer just got to the stupid a little faster. I can't sit here and lie to you on a podcast heard by dozens of people around the world. There are dozens of us. About those decisions because I made them based on who I was or am, not because I was drinking at the time. In no way, shape, form, or fashion should my ass sit on the Supreme Court. I shouldn't be allowed to appear on the fucking people's court. What you are witnessing is real. 
The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with a case pending in a California municipal court. Both parties have agreed to dismiss their court cases and have their dispute settled here in our forum, the People's Court. But even with all that, I'm more honest than the guy who's getting sized up for a Supreme Court robe as we speak. I'm assuming this is going to happen because as I wrote the script early on a Friday morning, there was still a possibility that someone might do the honorable thing and, you know, stop him before he made it to the final vote. But that didn't happen. Thank you, Susan fucking Collins. And I guess I guess it's still remotely possible that when they vote tomorrow morning that someone someone will have an outbreak of fucking human decency. No, absolutely not. Never. Not a chance in hell. So don't spend a lot of time counting on it. Nor am I saying that people do not suffer with their addiction to alcohol, that it doesn't destroy lives and families, and that people shouldn't seek treatment for their problems. I mean, not me. I'm fine. I've got pants on. Well, well, technically, they're, they're underwear, big oversized boxer shorts that I wear around the studio because they're extremely comfortable and let my balls breathe. But I have underwear on underneath, beneath the, the big underwear, because I want to make sure that I, you know. Excuse me. Do these effectively hide my thunder? <laughs> what I'm saying is any drinking problems I may or may not have only impact me. And, and Gavin, who honestly doesn't count because I kind of think he might be a product of my imagination. And the only time that I ever see or speak to Gavin is when I'm drinking. You need help. You need professional help. What I'm saying is getting help for your drinking also needs to come with getting help for the reasons you're drinking in the first place. If you're angry, depressed, in pain, lonely, and drinking to ease those feelings, you have a problem and the booze is the symptom, not the cause. Every problem drinker I've ever known, and there were many, drank to self-medicate for an issue bigger than their drinking. And once they got help for those issues, the drinking problem disappeared. Unless, of course, their problem was that they were entitled rich assholes who thought other people were beneath them and that they were entitled to use them, abuse them in any way that they saw fit because daddy is rich and he went to Yale. To Yale! That fucker, that fucker is not a problem drinker. He's an incurable asshole. That is it for our show this week. I wrote this portion of the script at 11.06 a.m. Eastern Time on Friday, October 5th, and according to Twitter, there's some crazy shit going on with Bart O'Kavanaugh. But that shit's been going on all week, and honestly, because of that shit's been going on all week, I've drank way more than this week than I wanted to. Let me put it this way. I bottled a bottle of Jameson on Monday and drank every goddamn night until Thursday when I realized the whiskey wasn't working anymore which is a Travis Tritt country song from the 90s and a country music as a long lionized problem drinking as a solution to the problems of life, which is indicative of an unhealthy attitude towards alcohol. Travis should speak to a licensed therapist about the underlying motivations for his problematic behavior. Speaking of problematic behavior, rating and reviewing the show wherever you get your podcast is the kind of a passive aggressive thing that indicates you enjoy hurting others by suggesting they listen to a subpar podcast. All of my manifestations of antisocial thought are preserved on the Twitter machines at the hell underscore podcast. Oh my God, some big shit is happening with this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. This podcast, as of sometime this weekend, can now be found on fucking Spotify. We are moving on up to the big house on the east side. 
not because we're incredibly successful, but because Spotify just opened up podcasts to everyone. So if you're a Spotify listener and you want to find this podcast, give it to like Sunday. Search What the Hell Were You Thinking on a podcast on Spotify, and then you can hear it there, too. We're infecting the place like a social disease. All the rest of my self-destructive impulses in the form of podcast form are under the show name on SoundCloud and, of course, www.whatthehellpodcast.com. For me, Dave, social drinker Bledsoe, producer, just a tipple before bedtime Gavin, and all the fictional binge drinkers on this show, we want to say, honestly, never be around me when I drink tequila because these pants are coming off. We'll see you all next week. So I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.